Hello and welcome to an episode of the Flatback Three. I'm joined by the beautiful George Turner. I'm Toby Wellington. We're back after a two-week hiatus where all of us were on holidays or unavailable. We are recording just the two of us today because, again, not all three of us are available on the same day at the same time. George, how are you doing, mate? I'm all good, thank you, mate. You okay? Yeah, we're both very tired because I've done an hour-long swim and you've done, I'm going to guess, about an hour's run. Yeah. Yeah, so we're both coming into this pretty tired. We're doing this before any of the Sunday kickoffs as well. So we're not going to be reviewing the goals or scores or anything from Villa West Ham, Wolves, Newcastle or Nottingham Forest against Tottenham. Um, it was a pretty good day for Liverpool yesterday. We'll go straight into that. Liverpool, after what's been a really questionable start this season, I said to you on Monday night whilst they were playing United that I was concerned about Liverpool. They swept aside those concerns somewhat with a 9-0 home win against Bournemouth what did you think when you saw that result and you saw those goals crazy crazy like so I was uh I was at Plymouth Argyle yesterday watching oh you didn't uh, go and watch sorry. them again did you I did and uh it's nice is that the bottom one that was top there as well <laughs> did they play Bolton did they <laughs> yeah they won 2-0 but the game oh. was great but um at half time they read out the scores and I saw <laughs> it was 5-0 so I was like oh my god it's like amazing and then I couldn't look at who scored or anything. So it's just like mm. talk about fantasy football. I have Sal oh. captain this week. So I was like, oh, amazing. Like, and I didn't have like 4G at the stadium. So yeah. I thought it was 5 0. Then at the end of the game, I thought it was 9 0. I was like, oh my God, you know, Salah's probably scored like a hat trick. I probably got 50 points from Salah alone. No left goals, no assists. No, I left the stadium and I was like, oh, it's this 39, te- 39 points for my whole team from Saturday. I'm like, I'll just refresh the page for a minute. 39 points. And I'm like, what? And so well, how did that how, how did that feel when you saw that I got 60? How oh, did you get 60? I didn't look at yours. And I've still got four players to play today. Oh man. Nice. But I'm pretty happy. I'm really yeah. happy because just like on this separate note completely, obviously we're doing a fantasy league this year instead of a weekly quiz just because of our availability at times. And uh, I'm not saying that this is going to last because my luck will run out soon. Although I've had terrible weeks until now. Um, I did find it quite funny because you are someone who's done fantasy league every year for pretty much as long as I've known you, you like make sure that you do your transfers at specific times of the week. You look at fixtures coming up, etc. I make a transfer if I can be bothered to remember to change my team at all. And I'm, win- I'm beating you by like 65 points at yeah, the minute. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm a, this is the first season I've had, like, had a really slow start. Like Normally I'm always like second or third or up there. And this season, I don't know why, I just can't get it right. Well, yeah. you're third, mate. Only the problem is there's only three of us. <laughs> yeah. So you go. I just have 39 points. The average is 51 across the nation. So, yeah, not not doing too good this season. But no, I mean, I was screwed by the fact Zinchenko was announced as injured on the day of the game. That was pretty annoying. Um, I have, as you know, I've got Jean Philippe Mateta as my third striker who doesn't right, start yeah. for Palace. Yeah. Um, he got zero points as well. I'm just having a look. Kevin De Bruyne got two. That was pretty upsetting. Um, yeah, and then I've got three defenders and a striker to play today, but they're all pretty crap. So we'll see what happens. Any extra points, it can't get any worse unless they all get sent off. So yeah. it's you not got too Holland, bad. Though? I've got Haaland captain, so 34 oh, right, points okay. just... 30, <laughs> 34 points just for Harland, and I've got yeah. Sterling as well, who scored a double. So, oh, right. 
Nice. That was pretty nice. And I've got Allison in goal, so that was an extra six points again. So between those, yeah. I pretty much I beat you with just Haaland and Sterling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the rest on top of that. But yeah, Liverpool won 9 0. Obviously, Salah didn't score, didn't assist. Roberto Firmino had his best game, arguably, ever in a Liverpool shirt. Luis Diaz was amazing. And a player that I'm really excited to see with Liverpool having a few injuries and stuff, um, get more game time. Sorry, there's a spider in my window and I might have to run away in a minute. Um, is Harvey Elliott. Mm. Like, he's been absolutely fantastic so far this season. After Monday, which was a really disappointing result, how are you feeling about the season coming up? Obviously, you've got five points from four games, which isn't great. You've lost to United, who were on a downward spiral at the time. You know, how are you feeling about the season now, five, uh, four games in? I'm pretty chilled about it, to be honest with you. Just because, yeah. like, the last two or three seasons, like, there's been, like, this 10-point gap between Manchester City and Liverpool if it's City 10 points in front or if it's Liverpool 10 points in front, that we just seem to catch each other. Like yeah. in previous seasons, like maybe going back five, 10 years ago, I'd be worried because like, like that cap, that gap after 10 points, just that seems to be too far ahead. But yeah, there's a long way to go. Um, if, if City go on a bit of a run now, but I, I feel like we can still catch them. Yeah, no, I think at this stage, I think I said to you before we even started recording, at this stage of the season, the table and results don't really mean that. Well, sorry, results do, but the, the table doesn't mean anything. Like, I was getting really, like, um, I don't know what the word is, but, like, flabbergasted that people were like, oh, United are above Liverpool. I was like, yeah, after four games. Mm. And, you know, like, it's like literally 30 games to go guys <laughs> yeah it doesn't matter what happened it, like being above someone by a point now is not anything to be celebrated whether you're you know whether you're Nottingham Forest United Liverpool Spurs or City like right now the table doesn't mean much obviously Arsenal having an incredible start to the season I'm really excited to see Arsenal I don't know if it's excited I'm really curious to see Arsenal when they play against a bigger team mm-hmm. um so far obviously they haven't really played anyone in the typical top six so it'll be really interesting to see how they fare against a a decent side um but City you mentioned already Erling Haaland um we called it I guess I called it I don't know what your thoughts were at the start of the season I can't remember but I always knew he'd hit the ground running um he was always going to score goals he always will score goals no matter where he goes but he's just a machine isn't he oh it's just the way he bats off defenders I think he's done it two weeks in a row now like he just literally like just used his body to like just keep Anderson away from him, and like it's almost like he just bounced off him. Anderson just bounced off Haaland. and um, yeah, incredible strength. And I, yeah. I can't remember seeing a player like that for a long time. No, he's an incredible player. Um, he's. No, I was listening to Talk Sport this morning, and they were talking about like his strengths and weaknesses. And I don't think that he's got a weakness other than the lack of a right foot. But then again. I've seen him score goals with his right foot. So it's not like something he can't do. He'll he'll be the top scorer this season. He's got, what, six goals in four games already. Um, you know, the guy's an absolute machine. They were lucky yesterday against Palace. Obviously, I know you watched this one. Like, what were your thoughts on the, the Edison rollout thing? You know, like Ian Wright, Jermaine Genus and Gary Lineker talked about it in quite a lot of depth. I feel like if it's in that position, whether it's like completely released from Edison's hand or not, he's decided to roll it out. And if Edouard stuck his foot out and has blocked it, 
than the balls in play. Like, I don't see why that's a problem. What are your thoughts on it? Do you think it was a foul or not? Yeah, I completely agree with you. Like, when the first time I saw it, I was like, that should be a goal. Why isn't that a goal? Like, you know, uh, the City should be 3-0 down here. Um, but when, as you said, like, as they analysed it last night, apparently the rule is the ball's got to be completely released from the goalkeeper, from his uh, yeah. glove. So I guess that is the rule. So you can't, can't do anything about that. But, um, yeah, I think if you're going back 10, 15 years ago, that could have easily been a goal. Yeah, 100%. It was just a really strange one because I feel like, like I said, it was released uh, to a point. And if I feel like if Edison's made the choice to try and roll it out and it gets intercepted or blocked, then tough. Yeah. You know, like, to, to a point, it's tough really, isn't it? So... I don't know. It was an interesting one, but City got away with one again. That's the second time they've had to come back from two goals down in two weeks. Obviously, they were 3-1 down away at Newcastle last week. Um, do you have, like, um, obviously you're not concerned because any advantage is a good advantage for you, but do you think that City are weaker this season at the, in the defensive areas? Um, and if so, why? Because they were talking about it last night and I talked about it this morning on TalkSport. And again, they're saying that they're weaker. I don't know if they are, because they haven't lost anyone, have they? I think on face value, their squad does look a little bit weaker, um, just because they've had more outgoings than in yeah. So Especially Zinchenko. Yeah, and it's interesting. Like It's interesting. Like You've seen a few transfers at the minute. Sorry, going off a bit of a tangent here. That's like, fine. Nero going from Real Madrid to Manchester United. Zinchenko and Jesus leave and Sterling leaving Man City and go into what you could call weaker teams in the Premier League. Like, can do players get fed up with winning? Like, I thought that's the whole point of football is to win football games mm. and trophies. Um, so yeah, I, I guess Man City, for me, I think they are a little bit weaker because they haven't got as a Liverpool fan, I always looked at Man City and thought, well, they've got two quality players in every single position. And last season was the only season where I felt we actually caught them up here in terms of squad. Well, depth. and then we see your bench yesterday. Mm. Very, very weak. Yeah. And that's a concern, I think, for Liverpool. If you get like one more injury, you're in a lot of trouble because I haven't got the bench in front of me. But I remember looking at it yesterday and I actually, and you know what my football knowledge is like. And there was one player on there. It was like some Croatian lad or something. And I was like, who is that? I, I had no idea who he was. You had like Tyler Morton and Fabio Carvalho, and then you had the um, like obviously the older players in Simicass and Milner, but it was a really young bench. Lack of depth is a big problem for Liverpool with injuries. But mm. I think you're right. Like, do, do players get sick of winning? Sadio Mane has just left Liverpool, and they say that it's because they want a new challenge, which I guess you can understand. Um, saying that you want to try a new challenge if you've been extremely successful at a club. But I don't know. It's a weird one because sometimes you think, well, just take the club as far as you can go. Surely you want to be the best club in the world. And it's quite ironic, isn't it? Because these players say they want a new challenge and they just go to another big club who are challenging on all fronts for the exact same trophy. So I think if we analysed it shallow or deeply... The outcome is who's going to pay them the most and who can they get the most game time with, especially in a World Cup year. Like Sterling, it made sense to go out and get games at Chelsea. Um, 
Yeah, I just trying to think like Sadio Mane was going to play every week regardless of where he was playing his football. So it's an interesting one. You know, it's it's, it's an interesting discussion point. And on, on transfers as a topic overall, it's been a really weird window because the window's been really long. The season's already started. The window's still going on. And the World Cup is like two months away, which is all like crazy. Mm. Nottingham Forest... Oh. have signed 19 players. Is it 19? I've got it here somewhere. Um, 17. They've signed 17 players this preseason. Obviously, they've got four points, so they're not doing too badly. They drew with Everton. They beat West Ham. They lost on the first day of the season at Newcastle. And they've got Spurs at home today. But 17 signings, like... That's mental. <laughs> like, that's crazy. Do you think, like, how do you think that goes down with the players who are still there that were there last season that are, like, losing their place, having yeah. got them promoted and playing some amazing football last season as well? So I think, oh, I've spoken to a couple of people about this. Apparently, Nottingham Forest like, had a lot of loaned players to them last season. Mm-hmm. They, they did have to rebuild and bring in players. Like, I think Steve Cooper said in a post-match interview a couple of weeks ago, he was like, we we have, we have had to do this process of bringing mm. in players. Um, so I guess that kind of answers that question. But yeah, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Like that championship, the Premier League jump, who, yeah. who do you play? Um, I mean, you. I think last week, I haven't seen a Nottingham Forest game this week, but last week they had Steve Cook playing in defence who was uh, let go by uh, Bournemouth, let him go last season, yeah. who were in the championships. So you're looking at that and you're thinking, hmm, right, okay. So, yeah, I, I'm not sure, to be honest with you. It's going to be an interesting one. You, you look at other teams in the Premier League who have brought in that amount of players, like your QPRs mm. in the past, the Fulhams, and it just hasn't worked out. So mm-hmm. I do like Steve Cooper as a manager. So I, I think he could... He could uh, buck the trend. Um, and he yeah, I mean, we love Steve Cooper. Like on this podcast, we love Steve Cooper. We love Nottingham Forest as a club as well. I think we all have such appreciation for them, me especially, because of you know the work that Brian Clough did back in the day. But I think that 17 is a crazy number. And you've got like Nico Williams assigned from Liverpool, who's a right back, and they're linked with, I don't know if they've finalised Serge Aurier, mm. which is another right back. Then they will have had a right back last season, but obviously it was Jed Spence on loan from Middlesbrough, but they will have had another right back. Um, they've signed multiple left backs. They've signed Renan, or they're nearly signed Renan Lodi from Atletico Madrid today. You've mentioned centre backs. They've signed Nia Carte and Mangala, is it? Like two centre backs. They've signed a goalkeeper and. Um, What's his name? The lad from Thingy from Man United. Uh, Dean Henderson. They've got our knee up front. They've got wingers. They, they've signed everyone. It's just yeah. crazy to me because it's like, not only is it the lads who were there last season that are looking at it going, well, where's my game time going to be? What about actually gelling that team together? You've got 17 new players plus, say, seven, eight, nine from last season. You've got to gel that squad together in order to be successful in the toughest league in the world. I suppose that's going to be whether Steve Cooper's a successful manager at the top level or not, isn't it? Mm, yeah, 100%. It is a tricky one. Like, how do you know if the players you bring up from the championship are going to like be at that Premier League level? Mm. Um, for me, as a, 
because I've got such managerial experience. Both of us, mate, football manager. (laughs) I just don't know. Like, I think you just bring in so much more risk when you buy a player or bring in a player that hasn't played in the Premier League before, like from like a a Bundesliga or or like for me, if I'm getting promoted with a team, Mm. I think you look for players who are on like the periphery or fringe players of the teams that are already in the league. That's... Yeah, I think the problem with that, though, is that there's two things. Like, There's a reason, firstly, there's a reason they're on the periphery of a Premier League team. They're not good enough to play in the Premier League, potentially. The second thing is that if a Premier League club wants to buy another Premier League club's player, do they put a premium on that player? Mm. Do they increase the price? So, like, for example... I'm not going to go into the depths of this because we're not going to go into every story, but Anthony Gordon and Wesley Fofana, like 60 and 80 something million for those two players is absolutely absurd. Is it because Chelsea are buying them from Everton and therefore they're in theory a Premier League rival? So if Forrest went to, let's say Forrest went to Crystal Palace to try and buy Eberechieze as an example and they said Eberechieze as a player probably worth what 30 to 40 million Mm. I'd say Palace would want 70 80 probably so if Nottingham Forest want a midfielder and they want someone like who they signed I can't even think who they signed that play in midfield Um, no Forest who they signed that plays in midfield they've signed so many I've started to forget them all Jesse Lingard is an example like so do they go and get a free agent Jesse Lingard and pay him higher wages or do they go and get like Renan Lodi on loan from Atletico Madrid if they need a left back or do they go and get someone like uh, Moussa Niakate from Mainz because he's a cheaper option than trying to get someone out of a Premier League club like even trying to go into a a relegated Premier League club you've got to pay a premium to get those players out of those clubs and then the thing I always think is, well, they've just been relegated. Do you want those players in your changing room? It's a really hard balance to strike. And it's one that I'm actually going through myself at the moment because uh, on Football Manager, I'm in the playoff places. I'm having an incredible career mode at the minute um, to go off on a complete tangent. I'm playing as Bolton, hence Bolton, um, promoted as runners-up from League One in my first season. And I'm pulling off an incredible second season. Um We're in the playoffs. We've got nine points between us and the team outside the playoffs. So we need two wins from the last four games. And I'm thinking, if I were to get promoted, this team is not staying up. So I need to buy players, but on a limited budget as well. So it's just one of those things, isn't it? You know, I suppose the one thing we can say about um, Forrest is that their, their chairman has backed the manager and has backed the club in terms of what do you need? Okay, go and get it. Mm. yeah which is which is good um you know i think that's what a manager wants i think listening to the post-match interview um scott parker came out and i i think he was pretty open in, in his statement by saying yeah we need support we we need yeah. some help here like um i've got to be honest yeah i think i it was only watched the highlights of the liverpool bournemouth game but i can't even remember bournemouth having a shot they didn't show a bournemouth chance so it's not good I mean Bournemouth specifically I think we've both said since the start of the season that they'll go down um if they're not go- if they don't go down I think it'd be the manager of the season award for Scott Parker because that squad is I would say that I wouldn't even say they're a top championship side that squad you know like 
Kiefer Moore starting up front. They've got that Marcus Tavernier. They've got the players that Bournemouth went down with, plus a couple others. They're not really recruited that much, but he's got like fair play to him getting him up playing with that team. Mm. It's really interesting. I'm going to be really keen to see what Bournemouth are able to do this season. I don't think they'll be able to stay up. Um, but hey, you know, we've seen crazier things in football. Um, Obviously, loads of results in the Football League yesterday. Plymouth Argyle winning, very disappointing for me, and Bolton. Um, was there any other results that stood out to you? I think that I've not really got around to watching the highlights yet. Obviously, Hull City maintaining an incredible charge towards the top of the championship this season. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anyone... Let's talk about Plymouth Argyle's league for a minute, League One. There's a lot of really good teams in League One now. Mm-hmm. You know, like when we were growing up... Um, I'd say, like, you know, the league, like, there are, what's the word? What am I trying to say? Like, when we were growing up, and I suppose still now, there are some teams that you're like, oh, they're a League One club. They're a League Two club. Like, they, you don't expect t- certain teams to be at certain levels, but you expect other teams to be where they are. Mm. So I'm looking at League One, obviously, Plymouth in fifth at the minute, so doing pretty well, but the teams around them are incredibly good. So you've got like Portsmouth, Ipswich, Sheffield Wednesday, Peterborough and Derby County are the other teams in the top six with them. Um, that doesn't include other massive clubs in that league like Oxford United, Barnsley um, and, and MK Dons. It's such a competitive league this year. Like, where do you think, like genuinely, not as a fake Plymouth Argyle fan, where do you think Plymouth Argyle will finish and where do you think they should aim to finish like is it aim for the playoffs and that's where they should be or is it like challenge for automatic like what's a genuine target for them um well they overachieved last season that mm. i listened to their po- uh, argyle podcast and the chairman openly oh. came out and said yeah we aimed for like 60 i can't remember what the specific amount was we aimed for 60 points and got like 72 or something so right okay um and they just missed out on the playoffs so i think yeah the playoffs is what they're aiming for but like you said like i've just started watching the football league show this season like i've never yeah. really followed it before but i think maybe because it's more accessible one it's more and on on a more obvious tv show now like being on itv instead of quest yeah. so i started watching that more and, and like like you said like there's so many big clubs in league one now and yeah going through it you're like oh they're, they're probably going to be up there and like, for example, um, Peterborough, who Plymouth Argyle did beat a couple of weeks ago. They've got um, a striker, um, number nine. Oh, Clark Harris. Yeah, who's, like, banging them in for fun. He and scores, then, like, 31 goals a season in League One and yeah. then goes to the Championship and doesn't score any. He's one of those. Mm. So you've got players like that. You've got Derby, obviously, like, I think we mentioned a few weeks ago, you've got, like, Connor Horahan. Who, Horahan, yeah. Horahan, and um, they've got uh, David McGoldrick. Um, they've got a really good squad that, you know, who were playing in the championship last season. Um, they've got great youngsters as well, like Louis Silby. Mm, so they've got, there's lots of teams in there who are big names who will probably be in that playoff bracket. So I think as the years have gone by, you've got bigger teams who have maybe got into a bit of financial trouble, dropped the yeah. league, but now they're in that League One table and you're thinking oh god it's going to be hard it could get harder and harder to get out of league one mate like i'm like i think as well like i mentioned those as like the bigger teams in league one but you look at some of the other names i didn't mention charlton athletic mm. former premier league side wickham wanderers were in the championship what two seasons ago mm. and then you got like 
and these are not massive clubs, but clubs that have always done well, like Shrewsbury, you've got um, Fleetwood in there as well. And of course, Exeter City and Bolton, who yeah. are recently come up from League Two in the last few years and looking to do well. It's an incredibly competitive league. Like, I think League One is arguably the toughest league to get out of. That's probably the best way to say it, because it's not obviously as tough as the Premier League. It's the toughest league to get out of, I think, in England, personally. What are your thoughts on it? Because, like, I think you look at the Championship, and I think with the Championship, every team in the Championship pretty much has a decent amount of money to spend, and they're never really, like struggling to get players and there's quality in every single team in the championship. Whereas in league one, you can have some teams like Bristol Rovers, for example, don't have loads and loads of quality, but they'll be competitive this season. I think the best example actually is a club. And it's not just to mention them because I used to work for them, but Accrington Stanley have been in league one for what, four seasons now? Like they've got no budget whatsoever, but it just shows that you put a squad together. They can be competitive. Yeah. um, It's an interesting one. Like, I think with a championship, you look at it and anyone can beat anyone sort of thing. Whereas I feel like mm-hmm. in League One, there's a bit more of a divide. Like you've got your top yeah. teams, mid teams. And like, for example, I don't know how, I haven't looked at the results from yesterday, but like Morecambe are really struggling this season. Oh, mate, Morecambe, Forest Green, Cheltenham, they'll struggle all season. And you know that they'll struggle all season. I know what you mean. There's very much like a top, I'd say 10 in League One that you can't really call where they're going to finish. And Plymouth, are in that mm. um then there's like a middle four maybe like which is like your exeters your boltons probably like cambridge united mm. and then below that it's teams that are going to struggle yeah so it's a bit more of a like an obvious divide in that division mm. uh whereas the championship i'd say like literally you could watch it one week and for example i, I don't know again i haven't watched a champ- uh, football league show like middlesbrough are really struggling this season um, yeah i think they won yesterday I oh there you go <laughs> so i'm gonna have a look i'm gonna have a look so um, whereas Blackburn, they won their first three games and lost last week. Lost yesterday. Lost yesterday, <laughs> lost yesterday as, well. as well. So it's it's a bit, you know, it's a bit... It's uh, topsy-turvy. Yeah. It's crazy, isn't it? Like, you know, Watford have been on an incredible run. Well, I say an incredible run. They've had an incredibly good start to the season. They lost yesterday at home to QPR. Middlesbrough did win. They beat Swansea, who have had a terrible start to the season, despite being... Um, champion uh what's the word i'm looking for playoff a playoff team last season um yeah it's like the championship is mental in terms of like you said anyone can beat anyone like i was watching bristol city cardiff last week and cardiff have had a much better start to the season than bristol city but as of yesterday bristol city have leapfrogged cardiff because of the amount of points they've picked up in the last two games so and also like reading they're the best story this season, as much as I don't really like Paul Ince as a manager. Yeah. Um, last season, they were near the bottom for nearly the whole thing. They're top of the league after, what's it, six games this season? Mm-hmm. So, you know, what a turnaround that is as well. So, fair play. You know, it's a, it's an incredibly tough league, as we mentioned, and it's one that we'll keep an eye on, I'm sure. Um, we'll move away from football for just a second, because I feel like I need to have a rant and I need to verbalise my absolute hatred for something. Obviously, we do sort of split our interests Um, On this podcast, it's very much a football podcast with other interests ingrained. Um, I hate She-Hulk so much. It is so, so bad. Um, You've watched episode one, so we'll focus on She-Hulk as a a sort of starting point. We'll talk about episode one mainly. Um, What your general thoughts on it? Because I cannot 
cope with how bad it is. Yeah, you really didn't like it, did you? Um, oh, the internet doesn't like it. It's not just Oh, me. really? Okay. So um, my initial reaction was I didn't hate it. Um, we had a Not a good start, though. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I know we had a discussion about sort of like how the She-Hulk is just as powerful as the Hulk after one episode. Be- better than the Hulk. It's And that's one thing that did did grind me, was the fact, well, again, a little bit of a tangent here. I still feel like there is something missing from the Hulk story, right? So on this, just really quickly, because this is really interesting, I know you don't like sort of look into these things as much as I do. There are a lot of rumours that the, you know, the Sakarian ship that causes them to crash in episode one, um, you know, the spaceship that shows up. Oh, right, yeah that they're going to take him back to Sakaar and they're going to do a solo Hulk movie on Sakaar. Right. That's the rumour. So, sorry, I'll let you continue, okay. but I'm just letting you know, if you didn't know, that there is potentially something in the works with Hulk. Right. So um, that's that's exciting to hear, because I just feel like, as a fan, you've got the original Avengers. We've had a story for pretty much everyone and I feel like, I, I know we've discussed before about the whole rights thing, so maybe they haven't been able to do what I think what the fans want and what <laughs> I want, is the fact that we've had, you know, you know, Hulk, you know, angry green machine, and now we've gone from Professor Hulk slash Smart Hulk, and then I really want to see the transition, like in the first episode of She-Hulk, it's like, right, this is the manual, bam, this is what happened to me. I'm like, well, what happened? I want to know, mm. <laughs> I want to yeah. know the transition. Yeah, um, no, like absolutely. And that's one of the things that really annoyed me about the episode is that Bruce goes out of his way to say, I went through 15 years of shit to become what I am now. I had to fight the Hulk all the way. Um, I went through all these different trials and tribulations, and then She Hulk's like, "Yeah, mm. I'm I'm already as good as you, if not a little bit better at everything about being a Hulk." And I was like, "It's Crazy. it's embarrassing how they're treating the Incredible Hulk, who's uh, like who is." Think back to Avengers One, mm. where he punches that giant snake whale thingy mm. in the face, and it just topples and dies and you think well that's been ripping through new york city and then obviously in johannesburg he rips the city apart in a fight with iron man Mm. like he's incredibly powerful he's one of the most powerful beings in the universe Mm. and they've just decided well but the female version is just as good without any effort and it's like come on professor hulk is as powerful as the original hulk not as powerful because he hasn't got the levels of rage, but he's still strong. Like he, sh- he still should be really, really strong. Like, I mean, even as Professor Hulk, he would be able to rip someone apart, like in a fist fight. So, you know, whether he's Professor Hulk or not, it's still like the process they went through of inc- like, you know, even in the Incredible Hulk movie, which had Ed Norton instead of uh, Mark Ruffalo, showed the process of becoming the Hulk and how much that put him through physically and mentally and how much that has sort of made Bruce Banner the person he is now with like having to go through all these peace techniques and oh I'm always angry like that little clip and how um like how he became more human the more he spent with the Avengers obviously his potential relationship with Natasha Romanov etc etc to then have 
the new and this is the problem with a lot of the new marvel stuff is that they just take the piss out of the old characters and they make them look weak essentially like there's this scene the, the scene well actually there's multiple things i hate about this show but the scenes where they're just talking about captain america being a virgin it's like He's arguably the most heroic person in history in that universe. And your sole focus is, has he shagged? Yeah. Like, would you not more or less be like, tell me about what he's like? What was his life story? Like, I don't I don't know what I want them to say, but I don't want them to just be like, <laughs> virgin. Yeah. About Captain America. And then, like, there's that scene. and I And this really annoyed me. And I don't know... Like basically, I'm going to be completely honest. I feel like the whole show is there to make men look like evil fucking idiots mm. and make women look really superior. Um, there are multiple scenes. Like there's a scene where she goes into a bathroom after she wakes up from the woods, and four women walk in and they're just super friendly straight away. They give her clothes, they give her makeup. I'm watching it like, no, like that's not going to happen. First of all, if there's someone covered in blood that looks like they've just been dragged through a bush backwards, you know, just cover them in makeup. Call the police. Yeah, exactly. Um, but also, I know that women aren't that friendly to each other. I've met women. Mm. Um, it's the same with men. If you walk into, you're not going to be like, "Hey, take my clothes." That's yeah. not going to happen. Mm. And then the next scene is three men come out of a bar, and yes, they're a bit forward, but they're not like threatening to rape her or anything and she hulks out and nearly kills them but for yeah. bruce getting in the way and saving them um there's you know they're like so that makes us look like complete assholes because you know men are assholes um there's the scene at the start where the guy's like oh maybe you should you know you should smile more or maybe i should do this speech when they're doing the rehearsal thing and she's just like get out and he just leaves with his tail between its legs it's like okay cool right we're on that that's good and then the scene that really pisses me off and this is as a marvel fan and a comics fan is the one where they're sat down doing the yoga stuff and she's like i am infinitely better at controlling my emotions than you um because i get catcalled and because i get told what to do in the job that i've built my career for and i'm like that's great right okay you you deal with the emotion of being catcalled and you deal with the emotion of um like being told by inferior people how to do your job but you can't just say i'm infinitely better at controlling my emotions than the incredible hulk who's yeah. literally told you 10 minutes ago he went through 15 years of trials and tribulations deaths of like by his hands and the hulk's hands um he lost natasha he he did the snap which like sacrificed like his whole arm for a period of time he saved the universe he has seen multiple people die that he loves. He's been in like the Infinity War. He's been part of the Endgame final battle. Like his like experience across those 15 years is not the same as being catcalled. Like, I do you know what I mean? Yeah. I just like I get it. Like, like I know what they're trying to do. They're trying to say that women go through these things, but yeah, you don't, like you don't have to make men or male characters look complete tools mm. to get the message across also i'm sorry i'm on a run mm. but when she says i get catcalled in the street or i get told how to do my job by people that don't know blah blah blah, you can't just say those things and expect the audience to be like yeah actually you're right show them mm. like could they have not had a scene instead of her getting hit on at a bar like 
like the way that that was set up and paced was absolutely dreadful like that whole scene makes no sense first and foremost but could they have not had you know that scene where she was reciting her thing at the office and then the guy is like actually i think you could do it this way maybe i should do it da, 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 da. if they extend that scene and make him out to be a bit more oppressive then it makes sense. And then maybe after that, she's leaving work and she gets catcalled and she gets emotional because of the build up of the day and that happening like that. Then you feel sympathy for her. And then when she says, I have to go through all this shit every day, you'd be like, "Okay, I sort of get it. I still don't agree because what the Hulk went through, but I Mm. sort of get it. But to just say this happens and it's bad. And you're like. Are you serious? I just I don't get it. And I know you haven't seen episode two and I won't spoil episode two, but this is how much they hate men Mm. in this series specifically. Marvel have a big problem with how they treat male characters anyway. And I have to say, I'm all for equality. I I genuinely am. I love female superheroes. She-Hulk as a comic book character is fucking phenomenal. Mm. But on screen, on episode two, and this has nothing to do with the episode, so I'm just going to tell you this line. They're in a bar and a male character says he's basically talking to She-Hulk about how she got her powers, something like that. And then he goes, "Oh, there's a hot girl over there. I'm going to go and talk to it." Right. And I'm like, no human male talks like that. Even the worst of the worst don't call women it. <laughs> but that's how much they're going out of their way to make male characters look like assholes. Right. Okay. And I just have like I I could say I have no problem with equality, but I have such a problem with femininity being forced down my throat yeah and the problem the problem i'm thinking for marvel and i've said on my facebook and stuff i'm like burn it remove it from the mcu the massive problem i'm having is that you know are you still there because you're frozen i think no i'm still here oh you're still there sorry um the massive problem i'm having with this whole thing is that it's just going out of its way to make men look like fucking assholes and Mm -hmm. i'm like you don't have to do that. You can just mm. make the female characters good characters instead of yeah. making them good characters by stepping on men's backs to get there. Yeah, you know what I mean. That's... I don't think any. I don't think anything I say is unfair or sexist. I just think yeah. that there's there's a thing that they're just missing completely, which is let's build a character mm. instead of let's build a character at the expense of another character. Like you don't like. Why is the Hulk in this program if not to help? Because so far, he's just looked like an idiot. Yeah. Well, as you say, like I'm, I'm watched episode two yet, but from what you say there, I, my first reaction to that is that they've got to be careful now. Surely, when they integrate her into the MCU with other male characters, because as we, as you said, we do have a, I would say, a smaller number of women superheroes, but she is going to be largely surrounded by male superheroes. So well, you say that, mate, but if you think if you think about it, you've now in the last I'm mean, again, I'm fine with there being female characters. So I don't want this to come across as sexist, but there are more female characters now. Like you say in that, I'm just the counter argument is you've got Kate Bishop, you've got Yelena who replaces Black Widow, you've got um Scarlet Scarab from Moon Knight if they come into things. Who was the other female superheroes recently? Captain Marvel's obviously been introduced. You've got the Wasp. You've got the new Black Panther's most likely going to be a female. Um, Ms. Marvel. Ms. Marvel as well. So, you know, they've got a female cast of superheroes that is growing and growing and growing. They've got Photon, obviously, from WandaVision as well, who's set to come into it. 
there's a lot of people that are female superheroes now. So it's not like it's not like the original Avengers where it was like five guys and Natasha Romanov. Hmm. Now there's pretty much an equal split if you think about it. There's not loads of male characters and there's not so that's why I think that there has to be a level of equality mm. rather than women and men mm. because you are at a risk of alienating the fan base that you built up over the years like no like this is the thing like no male is watching that program going yeah yeah this is this is about right we're assholes and they and there should be no exposition as to why she hulk is great she just is mm. And no woman, sure, I hope no woman is watching that going, yeah, that's what they should do with Marvel. It should be a political message. Mm. I just, uh, it just really bothers me because it's like, it gives me the ick. I think that's the one, yeah. one of the things that like people say now. It, like, I watch it and I'm just like, oh, really, I don't want to watch it. But because it's Marvel and because there are things that I want to see. The last four minutes of episode two, I know it sounds really tedious, but the last four minutes of episode two, I'm like, this is actually decent. When they actually write an effective scene, it's actually not bad. Like, I'm not saying the actresses and the actors are bad. The writing and the pacing of episode one and two is absolutely abysmal. Mm. Um, and I just I just want Marvel to be better. Like, Marvel yeah, yeah. up until now has been my favourite thing in the world. It's, like, it's been everything to me for the mm. last sort of 10 years. And they're just like they're ruining it essentially. Like we all talked about how Thor Love and Thunder was very divisive. Mm. We you know all the Marvel series pretty much that have come out so far have been divisive. Like I really enjoyed two or three of them, but there's no there's not been a smash hit that mm. they've done yeah. since Endgame. And I think they're in real trouble of turning the MCU into something that's just focused on political messaging. Mm. I've said to you before, I think. I think they're in danger of scrambling themselves with just p putting out show after show after show after show. There's, there's too much coming I, out. I, I feel like a lot of fans are going to be disappointed with getting invested in these characters that are coming out because I don't think all of them are going to intertwine and like I don't think all the storyline, the timelines are going to make sense to a lot of people. So yeah. I think a lot of fans watching this newer stuff, I think have just got to take it with a pinch of salt and just it's, kind of watch it for what it is. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And it's also one of the things that I would say as well is with, um, what was I going to say then? I can't even remember what I was going to say. I can't remember what I was going to say now, but they were like, oh, that's it. So like you talked about like timelines and people not understanding and stuff. And what I really enjoyed, and I'm not, again, I'm not going to spoil the episode. I won't tell you what happens, but there's a, a link to, a, and this is what I've been saying for ages. There's a link to something else in the MCU at the end of episode two. And I'm like, that's it. That's, that's what will keep me engaged. That will get me to come back for episode three. And yeah. that's what you need to do is you need to intertwine things. We've been saying for ages that everything is so separate at the minute. Things have to be interlinked. They've set up teases as well in episode two, and this is not a spoiler because it's like a, it's like a blink and you'll miss it thing. Right. But there are references towards that giant that's sticking out of the ocean. Um, oh, really? It's the headline of an article. It's nothing else more than that. But thank goodness, it's finally mentioned. Exactly. Like even just seeing it on screen for a second when she's like doing something on her iPad or reading a newspaper, it's one of the side story things. Right. So it's there. There's also a link to a guy with metal claws brawling in a bar, which is a reference to Wolverine. Again, 
which is one of those side stories. But that's what I want is those little mm-hmm. things that link the MCU together and make it a bigger yeah. universe. That's the right thing to do with shows like She-Hulk. But they have to build the character more effectively. You can't just say she's as good as Hulk, if not better. She's, um, you know, she's, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? She's superior to male characters because she's female and she's mastered being a hulk like that Mm. you like just build the character organically across the rest of the series um overall i'm not a fan i'll keep watching it because i'm a marvel fan for life you know i'm i'm not going to not watch something marvel but there is a consistent problem that they have of underwhelming product that's being produced at the moment and i really hope that they can break this cycle that they're in at the moment because that that announcement that we discussed the other week of at san diego comic-con got us all really excited about what's to come i think i fingers crossed i think that black panther in november hopefully will be a launching point for better movies going forward but i might be wrong but yeah i mean let us know what you thought of episode two george when you've watched it mate because i'd be really keen to see your thoughts um but that's been the flatback three i've ranted for the last 15 minutes so i'm gonna let george go and decompress i'll let you all go and decompress as well george any final thoughts on anything we've discussed today mate i just want to mention one quick thing about she hulk one thing that oh, I, did, I did like was the fact that they referenced thing um the hulk was saying to she hulk you've become a hulk insinuating that there could be more which i quite liked in the sense that they might well for me that's what i took away i was thinking wait hang on could there be an army of hulks one day could there be a team of hulks and i'm like where have you got what because he said a hulk no he said like because you know she she got his blood from obviously from that car accident and stuff yeah let's very quickly talk about that as well what a crap way for her to get her powers that i don't know it, it was it was terrible but then, and then obviously he smashes the little like test tube thing. He's like, right, no one can get their hands on this. But like, I don't know, like for me in that, I think that first scene, they were like, right, yeah, you've become a Hulk now. And almost like insinuating that anyone can become a Hulk. And I thought, mm. oh yeah, you're right. So it could become a bit of a side story that someone well, like Bruce Banner pins him down, gets his blood, and then there's loads of Hulks running around. I would watch that. That would be amazing. You've got Abomination. Mm-hmm. You've got... Yeah, yeah. Uh, there are other characters. So I won't... You know, let's not go into too much depth. We'll see what happens in She-Hulk, and then we'll talk about it as the series progresses. Yeah. Um, just on the opening scene where she gets her powers that has got to be one of the worst ways to give someone their superpowers i've ever seen um especially because in the comics they had such an open goal with this they could have done it in the series they're in a terrible car crash um and jen can't be saved by modern medicine and bruce takes the excruciating decision to change her life forever by giving his blood to turn her into a hulk because he knows that the hulk will save her from dying yeah um then that also for this series would give her a reason to actually be pissed off at Bruce other than him accidentally getting some blood on her. Um, And it would give her more of a reason to go back to work and be more defiant than, you know, I just, I want to ignore my cousin who's been through this sort of thing. It would have been so much better. Um, But again, 
like I heard this other reviewer and he's absolutely right. And I'm just repeating someone else's work. So again, this is not a sexist view or anything mm -hmm. like that, but they couldn't show the female character to be in any danger or be in any peril or be rescued by her male counterpart. That's why they didn't do that scene. Mm. You know, they had her pull Bruce from the wreckage and Bruce accidentally, idiot, bled into her arm. And I love that. I also love that they came out with two injuries, one being a cut on a head and one being a cut on an arm from a, yeah, from a car yeah. crash where it's they went through a barrier crash. and flipped. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> and also, yeah, I, I just literally just thought like that was before she became a Hulk and she was fine. Yeah. And she pulled a buckled door off its hinges. That's almost impossible for a human to do. That's what made me think, oh, she's already a Hulk. And then she became the Hulk. Weird. Uh, so bad. Anyway, this has been the Blackback <laughs> 3. I've been Toby Wanderson. and he's been George Turner. We have been ranting, raving and talking football and She-Hulk. Let us know your thoughts. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, wherever you get your podcasts from. And we will be back next week as a three on Sunday night. Thank you very much for listening. And we will see you soon.